This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. everyone to episode 59 of a clean skate podcast a dallas stars podcast brought to you by the hockey podcast network we have you know a a interesting episode ahead of us we are really getting down to the nitty-gritty of our all-star vote recap everyone what we have so far the centers are completely done our all-star lineup of centers we have tyler sagan line one Mike Medano, line two, Joe Neuendijk, line three, and Jason Spezza, line four, for our centers. Our right wingers just finished up after some tiebreakers. We have finished our right wingers. We have Jamie Benn on the wing of Tyler Sagan, only fitting. Then we have James Neal with Mike Medano. Then we have Brendan Morrow with Neuendijk and UC Jokinen with Jason Spezza. The left wingers uh, have been in a bit of a stalemate, all thanks to Yuri Lettinen and Pat Verbeek. They have been tied 50-50 at a vote twice. I have just released the third vote. That is out, and I believe Pat Verbeek is winning right now. So uh, hopefully, you know, at least a winner is decided, and then the left wingers finals will begin. The goaltenders, uh, all I have to do is a tiebreaker between Anton Hudobin and Andy Moog. Um, They tied up. We'll do a tiebreaker for them, and then we'll get them into the next round for the goalies because we have finished the first round. Then the defensemen, the top two pairings are done. We have Sergei Zubov and John Klingberg on the top pairing. Stefan Robida and Darian Hatcher are our second pairing, and the bottom pairing, votes are going on right now on the twitter page that is at cleanscape podcast you can get all those polls to vote on and then if we do that the uh coaches can be done and then like i said i'm going to put together a little team on um nhl 20 and maybe simulate a season see how this dallas stars lineup could do against you know the teams of of today in a, in a full season a little bit of Dallas Stars, I mean, adjacent hockey news, um, but personal favorite of mine, Alish Hemsky, a longtime player for the Oilers. He played three seasons with the Dallas Stars um, between 2014 and 2017. He did 166 games for the Stars where he scored 28 goals, 50 assists for 78 points with the Dallas Stars. He has over 800 and. 40 games played and over 500 points in the NHL. He has, you know, finally decided to hang it up. And, you know, that that said, he has some incredible memories. I mean, against the Stars, even if you think um, Alex Hemsky was the one that scored that goal on Marty Turco after Patrick Steffen missed the empty net. I mean, we all we all remember the goal. 
and he blew it and the other way Hemsky Hemsky's loose he scores I mean that is an iconic moment I mean obviously the Dallas Stars are on the losing end of that one but Alex Hemsky was an incredible hockey player uh, a big favorite of mine growing up and he will be missed from the game of hockey but I do not doubt he is done he's he's a pretty cool guy and I think we could maybe see him back in the game someday we have a really good interview. Uh, we are touching on some more teams that we normally wouldn't talk about. This week, we are talking to the Columbus Blue Jackets podcast here at the Hockey Podcast Network, the Shoot Once podcast that is hosted by Frank Walker. His interview is coming up, so I hope you guys enjoy that. Hey, guys. I just want to pop in and talk about my friends at Southern Scholar. Southern Scholar is a hockey player-owned menswear company based in Dallas. In fact, their founder still plays hockey several times a week in the local beer leagues in Dallas. They're a menswear company whose primary focus is providing you with a better dress sock option through their monthly subscription or their shop. Simply put, Southern Scholar makes the best dress socks in the world seriously. Crafted with their one-of-a-kind signature material blend and designed with classic color palettes and timeless patterns, their socks are built specifically to stay in place throughout your workday and add a subtle, sophisticated twist to your everyday attire. Included with each pair is their signature style card containing tips, tricks, and styling recommendations to help you best pair your socks to get the most out of your look every time. Southern Scholar brings you a unique yet professional dress sock which can be worn in the most prestigious of environments. Their socks have the perfect combination of stretch, softness, and breathability, providing a true mid-calf fit that stays in place throughout your entire workday. You can join their monthly sock club and enjoy all your member benefits like lower prices, exclusive sales, and access to their member shop, or you'd shop their collection without a subscription. Either way, you'll be saving money using code THPN. That's THPN like the Hockey Podcast Network. And guys, I just want to say I have a couple pairs of these and man, they look so good. And then you just put them on. They are engineered to form fit your foot and leg and to stay up on your calf all day. So if you're wearing dress pants, you don't have to worry about reaching down to pull up your socks because they've started to scooch down and they feel uncomfortable. These things fit well. They look amazing. And I hope you guys enjoy them as much as I have. All right, right, and on this week's COVID collaboration, we have Frank Walker from the Shoot Once podcast, the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets affiliate podcast here at the Hockey Podcast Network. This is a first-time appearance for him, uh, so welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. It's fun to be here, fun to, fun to try and talk actual hockey, at least as much as we get to. Exactly. Yeah, I've been. Uh, that's sort of been the focus here. Is we're trying to talk to as many people as possible. I'm trying to get you know guests on. We talked to a hockey troll from Caps Chirp uh, last week. Uh, so uh, now we're we're getting another uh, unusual suspect here uh, for a Dallas podcast. So we're here to talk to you all things uh, Blue Jackets. So uh, just starting off, how do you feel your uh, season was going? up to the pause we've been doing a like letter grades so if you can walk us through what you thought well so the columbus season if i was going to put a grade on it first of all i have to put on the that i'm grading this on a curve because the amount of injuries columbus was dealing with was insane over the course of the season um for the guys who were actually on the ice they were getting an a because 
the the injuries they were taking at the positions they were taking them after having an off season where you lose Panarin and Bobrovsky and Duchesne, the the fact that they were in a playoff spot when everything shut down was incredible. Uh, and I mean that was with the names that people do recognize in Columbus being hurt. I mean Seth Jones was down at that point, so mm-hmm. it, it was the season itself was beyond expectations from what Blue Jackets fans had. Uh, Coming into the season, I said, if everything goes really well, this team will be, you know, in a content, in a playoff contention spot around the trade deadline. They did that. And I mean, they, they kept, I mean, there was, there's a good case to be made that if the season had just played out as it would have, they could have, they would have still, they might've still made it. Um, Some teams had some games on hand on them, but, but who knows at that point. So I, I was pretty happy with where the season was at. I mean, if, again, letter grade A, um, it was it was good. Uh, we've there was big questions about you know would he, would either of the goalies step up? By the end of it, you know, Jonas Corposalo would have gone to the All Star game if he hadn't been hurt because he was picked for the team. And Elvis Mers Lincoln's had I think he had four shutouts, which mm-hmm. for a rookie is incredible. I mean, he had those over the course of about a month, so. It, it went about as good as the season could have when everybody was going down and getting hurt. So, so that, I mean, that's awesome. Cause I, a lot of the people that I've, I've had on here recently have been um, I, like, I talked to the capitals, like I said, caps hockey troll last week. And he was, you know, they, they have from a on paper season, you'd be quite pleased with where the capitals are sitting, but from a san- fan standpoint, he gave them like a pretty low grade for what you'd think. So, and you're grading them higher than I gave my Dallas stars. So um, it, it's really, so do you think that maybe part of that is that um, like journey, sort of like the playoffs from last season? Like, do you think there was some, I know you guys lost a lot of pieces from that run, but do you still think there was a lot of momentum in that room and just like in the, in the locker room, just coming into it? So I think something that league-wide – first of all, I think Columbus normally – I think they're in that group of teams that just gets underrated league-wide because people don't pay attention to them. I mean, they're a team that, you know, they've, they've made the playoffs four straight years and they've – maybe it's been four straight. It's at least three straight years. They've, they had the big upset last year. And then as far as national games in America, I think they had one this season. I mean, it just – they're continually underrated as far as how the whole league looks at them. And – as much as losing those big pieces was a problem last year, something that a lot of the league doesn't realize is the depth of this team is there's a, there's good players all the way down for the most part. Um, no, they don't have a, a Crosby or a McDavid or, a, or an Austin Matthews. But when you start getting into the second, third and fourth lines, they have players that would, that could play in on any team in the league. And then their defensive core is, stacked uh between Seth Jones Zach Wierenski are a top pair when he's healthy Ryan Murray is I think a pretty high-end defenseman David Savard's really good Marcus Nudavara's a really good defenseman and, and a lot of them have that combination of being good defensemen as well as good puck movers um something I've said for for years at this point is as long as Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski are on this team this team will always have a chance at making the playoffs because they make that forward group so much better that they can transition pucks and cause offense and cause defense to have to deal with so much, so much uncertainty. I mean, when you're a defense and you're like, okay, we're going to lock down 
and you realize that defenseman, whether it be Zach Rinsky or Seth Jones, they can they might be able to blow by our defense and get into the offensive zone. It, it makes everything else that much harder to deal with. So you're touching on on a lot of points that I have written down here, and and one of them I have written down is lack of star power question mark. And what you're saying is like I I agree. Seth Jones and Zach Rinsky are elite, elite. So are you saying? They're, those guys are your all-stars? Well, they are. I mean, first of all, they definitely are. Um, and part of where, again, it's the underrated nature of Columbus. Uh, I mean, we have a player a lot of people know of, Cam Atkinson, who's really good. He's a good scorer. This year he had a down year. But we have an emerging true number one center in Pierre-Luc Dubois, which is something this franchise may have never had as far as a true number one center. He's taking steps. He's moving forward. Uh, there's times where you see him kind of kind of fade, but there's other times where you see him just kind of take over, you know, do things really well. Uh, I One thing that sticks in my mind, I think it was earlier this season against the Maple Leafs, he had the puck down in the corner. Austin Matthews was defending him. And Dubois, from, what else, from everything I've ever seen watching both players play, Dubois is a stronger player and was able to push back into Matthews, go back into the offensive zone and score. Mm-hmm. Um and then we have who is probably the most underrated player in the entire NHL and one Oliver Bjorkstrand, mm. who yeah, is... He's, and hey, he's elite. He has... I've always paid attention to him. I, I He is... Sometimes he can just put pucks in from anywhere. He's... It was... There was a perfect game earlier this season. He had been hurt, and it was one of the first of the two times he's been hurt this year, where we were going... We were playing the Rangers. And the Blue Jackets were down, I believe it was one nothing. And in the third period, Bjorkstrand scored twice. And they were pretty much the same goal where he was just kind of coming in the middle and just flicked it and was able to score. There's actually a fun story where last season, uh, Bobrovsky was talking about Bjorkstrand because he saw him all the time in practice. Yeah. And he said that Bjorkstrand is so difficult to be a goalie against because it doesn't look like he's going to shoot it when he shoots it. His mm-hmm. wrister is deceptive in that it almost looks like the puck is apparently coming off his stick without him even moving it. So he's it, it, the thing is Columbus has a lot of pieces that just aren't people don't know about. And it, it's part of the reason as a fan base, the blue jackets fans were so frustrated about a, a player like Panarin leaving. So I, I have a question then, and it, it's kind of a, like a minute question, but why did you get rid of Sonny Milano then? Can you read? Because that one, I, I saw that, and I didn't understand that. Because Sonny Milano against the Dallas Stars, I remember he had the between the legs on Bishop. Like, I don't forget that. Like, you're going to do that to us? Like, I'm not going to forget that. And so I, I saw that trade go through, and I, I didn't really understand it from a, from a Blue Jackets perspective. You're there with a lot of Blue Jackets fans. That is a move that I – if it was me making the move, I wouldn't have done it. I, I don't know what the decision-making process was there. It, it's it, it's one of those trades where I, I I'm I hope it's not a situation where we look back years from now and say that's a failure of management and coaching to find him. Um, he was getting more consistent. Part of it may have been. I mean, he's been in this he's been in this organization for years now and just hasn't found a consistent place. And you kind of – you saw it a little bit when he went to Anaheim. I think right, like in his second or third game he had a multi-goal game. And then he didn't do a whole lot after that. But it I, – I think it's 
I don't know, honestly. I'm not sure what the calculus was there in trading him and bringing in Devin Shore. I, I, I would, if it were me, I wouldn't have made the deal. I don't know what the point of it was. Okay, so I mean, so trading... I'm not I'm not far off then with with my with my thinking then uh, looking at that. Yeah, yeah, we were trading a young guy who hadn't really lived up to his full potential yet for another young guy who hadn't done it. Maybe it was just one of those things where both organizations thought you know maybe this guy will benefit from the the change of scenery. But if it were me, I would have from from everything I knew about Sonny Milano. I'd have hung on to him because that when he showed when he showed his flashes of brilliance, they were incredible. Like, how do you how do you get rid of someone that did that? Like, I just like I can like I picture it. I just see the flashes. Like when he t- tapped it over my the first defenseman, I was like, oh no! And then he got <laughs> he he came in on Bishop really fast. I was like, is he just gonna? And then he started to pull it back, and it was I like that was terrorizing like (laughs) like and it's on every highlight reel every time like the top tens lists are coming out all the time now on youtube you can't get away from it so like i just how do you get rid of someone that like like can do that like that's such a rare skill to have someone have the confidence and then the ability to do it so how do you even if it's in flashes yeah the, the amazing thing about that goal was how fast he did it i mean we've seen other players do it but his was just I remember watching that game live, and when he did it, I was just like, wait, 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 wait. Because he had to stop and rewind and be like, did I see what I thought I saw on that? Because mm-hmm. it was just so quick. I was not – you just weren't ready for it. Because I, I think even Felino had a behind uh, between the legs goal later in the season, and it mm-hmm. wasn't as impressive. It looked almost more like he threw between the legs a little slower and, and the goalie just didn't pick up on it. Yeah, he that like – and he like elevated like over Bishop's shoulder. And we all know how like Bishop is historically tall and yeah. he still put it over top of him. And I was – it like that. that's all. And so I, I was just – I was kind of curious of that, you talking about, you know, like that lack of – like the, the offense and, and underratedness. So I was always curious about that one. So it's – I'm glad to hear that we're on sort of the same wavelength on, in that one. Um, yeah. But I was talking to Hockey Troll, like I mentioned, and I'm particularly interested in goaltending. I've always been interested in that sort of stuff. And you have a really interesting situation going down <laughs> in net here. Um, I think uh, I, Tortorella is a character, and I think like hearing all the Elvis Merlifkin stuff, and he went on Spitting Chicklets uh, a couple of weeks ago and was quite good on that one, quite funny. Um, so it seems he's got some personality to him too. And I remember his debut, he gets just lit up yeah. and that was like a big thing. And then he come, he came back and I think, like you said, he's got four shutouts and I think like three of them were in a row or something like that. Um, yeah. So I just, like I said, I track goaltenders like in Washington, they have Ilya Samsonov. And so the Elvis Merzlikens, Corpusalo story you have going on there is fascinating to me. So uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on them. So it's, it's such a strange situation for Blue Jackets fans because Jonas Corpusalo has been the good soldier for so long. Um, I, I mean, it's, it, it's this because he was behind Bobrovsky. Um, and there were times, his first season when he got in, he looked pretty good. Then other times, you know, it, it's tough to tell with a backup goaltender, especially a young one, how good they are. But at the same time, Blue Jackets fans had been hearing about Elvis Merz Lincolns and that he was this prospect who 
he didn't when he came over he didn't want to go to the AHL he wanted to be in the NHL uh it's the reason he stayed in the Swiss league as long as he did and when he came over he there was just this expectation that he was going to be in the NHL but because Corpusalo the the organization had actually had Corpusalo in house for a long time they wanted this they they kind of felt more comfortable with him and like you said Elvis getting lit up in that first game against the Penguins there was nothing to – it, it made sense for the team to say, ah, we're sticking with Corpusalo for now, and they'd play Elvis here and there. But there was this sense that Elvis just wasn't comfortable yet, that there was a confidence there that he didn't have. And Corpusalo was having a really good season. Again, he was going to be an all-star. And then when he goes down hurt, there was this whole sense in the organization of just, okay, if Elvis is going to do it, we need him to do it. We need him to step up. And there was also, you may not have known this not being, you know, seeing everything every day. There was this strangeness where Elvis said he wasn't going to, there was this organizational decision is how they put it, that Elvis wasn't going to talk to the media for a while. And he put out these little statements. Um, he said it was trying to get his head right and trying to make sure he was on top of what was going on. And then when he started, when he came in, it was a, I, I went to this game. It was real fun. It was a New Year's Eve game against the Panthers. So of all the people he was lining up against, Bobrovsky's on the other side. And that night, we were sitting down on the, the end of the ice where the Blue Jackets defend twice. And that's a big and, uh, divisional game, isn't that? Like, that's a... That's oh, a... No, it's not a Metro game, no. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Right, they're Atlantic. That's right. But it that's was, right. but the fans were so, like, behind Elvis you could tell like when he made his first save like the whole section behind him stood up and was like and was really trying to cheer him on oh that's awesome and, and that night Warinsky gets a hat trick they beat the Panthers 4-1 it was uh Bob's first night back in Nationwide so the whole place I mean the whole fan base loves Merce Lincoln's mm-hmm and so there's this moment on my show when I'm talking about it, I'm trying to prepare Blue Jackets fans. I'm like, one of these guys is going to leave. And it, it, in my mind, if you had to choose today, you go with Elvis. Then there it is. There it is. He seems to have a higher ceiling. I think he's got more tools. And, and again, the thing is they've got them both under contract for two years, so you don't have to make a decision right away, which is really nice. But I think organizationally, I think they're leaning Elvis if they had to make a choice. But there's no reason to. You got time, take it, make a decision, let both guys play some more. Um, but Elvis, both Elvis and Jonas seem to be goalies who kind of need time to play to keep their confidence up. And, and one of the things that this break has kind of robbed us of is both goalies were finally going to be healthy at the same time and, and looked like they were playing really well. And it was going to be interesting to see how the organization handled that. Were they going to go two games on, two games off? Were they going to play the hot hand? What? Because that would have kind of helped us see where the team was really leaning. So it's 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 some it's a question that's going to be getting pushed back into later seasons now to see where this team's really going to go forward with goaltending going forward. Well, I mean, that's a perfect segue into. I mean, you're talking about injuries. You're. You, I mean, the Blue Jackets were incredibly injured just like just and and big names jones i'm pretty sure was hurt uh for a little while there um and i mean going to this break obviously is a huge benefit obviously everyone's getting healthy but more of the blue jackets are coming back than yeah. your average team you're and like important key pieces so 
what do you see, you know, with whatever we get going forward? Um, to be honest, I listened to your last podcast. You definitely seem to know more about what's going to happen uh, in the, you know, coming months here than I do. Um, so, I mean, how are you feeling about the Blue Jackets uh, prospects going into whatever format we have coming? Well, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what it, for of all the teams for this to happen with. I mean, obviously the, as a worldwide event, this is insanity and terrible, but for the Blue Jackets, this could not have happened at a better time. Um, Seth Jones, when he got hurt, he, he could have just let it heal, but he made the decision to get surgery because then he would be ready for it, potentially being in the playoffs. He, he wouldn't be healthy to the first round or near the end of the first round. Uh, two weeks after he got hurt, Oliver Bjorkstrand got almost the exact same injury. Um, on top of that, Cam Atkinson, his first game back from a high ankle sprain was going to be the first games that were canceled from the, from the pandemic shutdown. Uh, I mean, at different points this season, we've been without Warinsky. We've been without so many players, Dean Kukin. We've been without Josh Anderson pretty much all year. I mean, Corpus Allo, um, like you mentioned, that's a, that's a big was part. For a while. I mean, it, it, there were so many players hurt that it was just, okay, who can you kind of cobble together to get something going? Um, at this point, with the exception of Josh Anderson, when they resume play, they'll be pretty much fully healthy. And it's a team that – and the other thing that's really nice is a lot of times when you have those players coming back from injury, it takes them a few games to ramp up. Well, at this point, every team's going to have to be ramping back up. So they're all going to be on that same page. I could see – depending on the format they come back in, I, I mean, the Blue Jackets could be ready to do some, some damage or just make life a lot harder for somebody than they thought it would be. I think I think after last season's playoffs, no one is gonna be gonna be matching up. Uh, you know, like I don't think anyone's gonna be like, "Oh, here come the Blue Jackets." I think they saw what happened to Tampa last season, and uh, I mean, the, the people that listen to the podcast, but you don't know this. I am actually situated in Orlando, but I lived in Tampa, and my family lives in Tampa. Uh, so I was in Tampa when all that happened, and I have friends that are die-hard Lightning fans, and they're obnoxious about it, and. <laughs> And so just because of that, I was like, you know what? I, I hope Columbus does it. And then they, the way they did it was just so perfect because like Tampa's obviously had some heartbreaks, but for the most part, Tampa has been rather successful in the playoffs. So that was like their first, like just stinging defeat. And I can't thank the blue jackets enough for that. I, I, it was funny the week before that, that playoff series happened. Um, I had a guest on who was a writer for the right. He wrote for the, uh, about Tampa Bay. I think it was for their SB nation blog. And my first question for him was what has to go wrong for the lightning for them to lose this series? How bad do things have to get? Because, you know, the blue jackets pretty much seemed like they just got right into the, under the, it just barely made it. And Tampa was the number one team in the league. And pretty much at the end of that, he was, the, his point was, it's not going to happen. Tampa's going to win this series. And for it to happen the way it did was incredible. I mean, just a sweep. And, and for a team that had never won a playoff series to do it, the, the, the attitude in Columbus, even with all the things we traded away to get those players for that run, to get even just one series win, worth and it. the way they did would, it, it. Would you say it's worth it? I mean, like with all the pieces, even looking back, you, you're still with that. Yeah, because it, here's the thing. When you're the Blue Jackets, you don't have a Stanley Cup. 
Um, so you look at your franchise and you go, what can we hang our hats on as far as being a franchise? And I mean, yeah, we had an all-star game, but whatever. That's not what you did on the ice. That's the, the, you know, the league was like, yeah, you can get an all-star game. Good for you. But there's a few big moments. We have, um, we've got a rocket Richard for, for Rick Nash. We've got a, a Calder with uh, Steve Mason. We've got that's two. Right. That's right. Wow. That's right. Wow. A Calder for Steve Mason. I forgot about that. <laughs> We've got the two Vezinas with Bobrovsky on the team. Uh, Tortorella had a, a coach of the year. Um, so we've got a few of those. But the big ones in my mind as a Blue Jacks fan is, are the 16-game win streak and that four-game sweep over Tampa. Because even though we didn't win the Cup, that four-game sweep is going to get talked about as one of the big upsets in, in NHL playoff history. In, for a sport, long time. in sports history. That, like, yeah. that, that's a huge... Because it wasn't something where it was like, oh, it came down to the wire and the Blue Jackets got lucky at the end. They just beat them. They were just the better team for four games. And, and I mean, because we've all watched a hockey game where at the end of it, you know, a team wins, you know, even by one or two goals. And you're like, eh, they didn't deserve to win that. You know, they got lucky on the ones that bounced in. The other team really dominated. That didn't happen in that series. The, the Blue Jackets just looked like they knew what they were doing and were ready to win. Um, I just, I always think back to that, that first period of game one where they they go down three, nothing. And yeah. I'm sitting here going like, Oh my God, my buddies are going to be obnoxious tomorrow. And then just to watch it unfold over the next week was just incredible. It, it was, it was chaos for me. It was amazing. Cause it was just, there, there was this sense of going into that series and we've all had the sense as a fan where you're like, you know, it was a nice run. It was, it was a good season. Hooray. But yeah, for that to happen was was cloud nine, and and that's that was kind of the feeling in parts of this season because Blue Jackets fans, with all the players they'd lost, there was a sense of people not knowing what was going to happen, and all the pundits were saying the Blue Jackets going to be a lottery team and all of this, and then with all the injuries, it, there was this this huge fan uproar behind all these guys they had to keep bringing up from the AHL to fill the roster. And I mean, it was, so you had people all of a sudden where their favorite players were becoming, you know, Kevin Stenland and Nathan Gerby. I mean, Nathan Gerby's on the ice at five, six or whatever going against Zidane Chara. and Blue Jackets fans are watching it and just being like, yeah, that's what our season well, is. I, I remember one of the, one of the big highlights. It's, it's funny thinking back on the season that has been paused and about to come back. It feels like, a completely other season but I mean Gerby knocks over uh, uh, Claude Giroux or Vorchek one of them and then fights Sanheim and drops him that was like yeah that is awesome I mean it's it's the Columbus attitude is such one and it, it comes from the GM this a lot of this attitude comes it, it's amazing how this whole organization's got kind of a we don't care what people think of us we don't care that we're not flashy ones we're going to work hard and we're going to beat you from Yarmo Kekalainen to Tortorella to all these players who are just have that ethic of, we're just going to outwork anyone we play. If we lose, it's not because we were outworked. And that's really been the push behind this team. Um, I mean, it's one of the reasons it almost seems like we can just start plugging in goalies because the whole team buys into the defensive concepts when they happen. So it's, it's, it's not an easy team to be a fan of, but it's an easy team to, to love because, I mean, you're going to have a lot of heartbreak, but 
you're you're really I mean for the last couple of years this has been a team where you see them just fight every night for things and it's it it's been it's been good that's for sure and I'm I'm very much looking forward to whatever format we come back with cuz I, I want to see all the formats they're talking about, it seems like the Jackets are going to get more games to can play. You, and... Can you go into that? Because I, I heard a little bit, like I said, I listened to your last podcast, so I sort of know your answer here. But can you go into that a little bit? What, what, uh, what's, you've been hearing about what's going to happen with the season coming, coming back? Well, I mean, the, what LeBron was, uh, was reporting today is they've had talks with the PA over the weekend, the league and the PA, and there seems to be a lot of push towards – people being on board with this 2014 playoff format. And, and the way this would work essentially is there would be the four divisions. Um, I think the only crossover that would happen is the Rangers would be going to the Atlantic uh, based and it's based on points percentage. And the idea is that the, because they don't want to jump right into elimination games, those five teams, will all, those six teams would all have a round robin where they'd play each other once. And then at the end of those five games, they would then look at points percentage. The first two teams in each division would get a first round bye. And the last four teams, like three would play, the third seed would play the sixth and the fourth would play the fifth in a little three game series to determine who gets into the playoffs that would then look very much like what we do now. Okay. Um, I've heard some people don't like it because it doesn't, it feels like it's giving, you know, not enough importance to the regular season because too many teams are being allowed in. Those arguments can be had, but at this point, as much hockey as you can give me, I will take. So I'm all aboard. If you can't finish the regular season, something like this sounds good to me because I get all four divisions having to play those round robin games. So that's a bunch of games I get to watch. And then I get, a weird little mini three-game series before I get the regular NHL playoffs. I, I will take it at this point based on what's happened. So this is sort of like minute details, I guess, but how do you award uh, like trophies at the end of the season? Like when do you cut off like, like point leaders and goal-scoring leaders or like even playoff MVPs? Because if you're doing like mini tournaments and stuff like that, how do you, how do you give out those awards? Well, I mean, the good news is most of these are just voted on awards anyway. Right, okay. So you could still just have the PHWA, the Professional Hockey Writers Association, vote on most of them. Um, things like the Rocket Richard are going to be tricky. I, I honestly think something like the Rocket Richard, you would do a points percentage based on games played. Um, so, you know, whoever had the highest points per game over the season is probably who I'd go with. That I mean, that's my personal view. Um I mean, some of the awards, it might be a good time to revisit, like my, you know, most of them, like the, the Vezina's just voted on, the uh, most of them are just voted on, so that's no big deal. But things like the GM of the Year Award, I've always thought was kind of dumb, because you vote on it based on the second round of the playoffs. Honestly, the GM of the Year Award, I, if it were up to me, I would say, you know, whoever you're voting on for GM of the, end, the Year this year, take into account the last three years. Because a GM's job isn't a one-year thing. I mean, you can never look at what a GM did one year and say, you're the best of the year. Because essentially that's what? Who had the trade deadline deal that we're talking about the most? Or who made one big off-season move that we're all talking about? Or who did nothing and their team's good? So now we're like, oh, look, they were smart because they did nothing. I, I, it, it's tough without looking at a whole context on GM. So 
But I, I think with the awards, you just I mean, you don't think you don't think it would be that big of a hassle then? I don't know. I just I thought it would be a bigger issue in my head. I don't think it will be. Again, with most of them just being voted on, I mean, the PHWA will just have their their ballots. You know, who who was the Selkie? Who was this and all that? And who had the Lady Bing in the Calder? And it it won't be. I don't think it'll be that big a deal. Um, Obviously, and the thing is, the way those awards get distributed anyway it's almost never that a team that didn't make the playoffs has a player who gets an award. I mean, if you've ever noticed, it seems, you know, a team that finishes last almost never has an award for anything. So I just the, you know, if you made the 24, you might get a, you'll probably have more of a chance than if you didn't, but I think the draft is a little more weird how they're going to do that at some point, maybe, but, but we'll see how that goes too. That's all going to be just flying by the seat of their pants probably. So then getting away from hockey a little bit, obviously there is no hockey going on, but so what have you been doing to keep busy? Um, play any video games, read any good books? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, so I talked about it on this week's show, actually. First of all, just letting you, giving you behind the scenes on me, the whole like shutdown and stay home mm-hmm. for my normal life didn't make things less busy because I work at home. My wife already worked at home. Our kids homeschooled. So yeah. it's not like there was a big disruption to my daily life other than not being able to go see people or anything. Uh, but I read an interesting book called The Instigator. Uh, it was about, it's about Gary Bettman's run as commissioner. Okay. Um, it was published in like 2012. So I mean, more recent stuff it doesn't have mentioned, but it, it's a good kind of overall look at the commissioner and his run. Beyond that, uh, me and my wife, we have run through uh, – all the seasons that CBS All Access did for the first two seasons of Star Trek Discovery and then Picard. Oh, okay. Uh, big Trekkies then? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not that big a Trekkie, and she's watched some of the shows, but I'm, I like sci-fi a lot, and I okay. wanted to see what the shows were. So that's been, that's been fun, playing a lot of NHL 20. Um, just Are you uh, going to get in on any of the, uh, the Goon Line gaming then? <laughs> Probably not. I don't tend to play online a lot. Um, I'm very much a guy who does like the franchise stuff and wanting to make deals and wanting to do that kind of stuff. I really enjoy that part of the game. Yeah, um, stay offline. Offline just makes you like makes your heart rate go up and makes you just angry at humanity. <laughs> I, I play. See, I play primarily online. I play a lot of Ultimate Team and uh, and the World of Chell and stuff like that. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I sit and look and just think about hurled my controller because it's because of playing online. So honestly, that's better. Stick to franchise. The the last online sports game I played, and this this will tell you how long I've been playing video games a little bit, was years ago. Two uh, K made something called All Pro Football. That was it's when they lost the NFL license. They actually put this game together where they got a bunch of. Uh, retired players to sign contracts where they were allowed to use their things. And essentially you just made up teams of like all time greats and okay, kind of pick it up and then you could go play online. And I think people didn't like playing me because I tried to play it like I was actually playing football. And so it would lead to these strategies where they would, you know, people would expect you to always throw deep or something. And I'd be like, no, I'm just going to run this little ISO play where I run up the middle. And if you like lo- load up the box, then I'll audible to throw it over the top of you. And, and they just, they would just get mad. Cause if you got, if I got a lead, 
you probably wouldn't catch me at that point. I, I ran very boring football, so I can't imagine I'd be, you know, a lot of fun to play on anything online at this point. Cause yeah, just... see, like, people, like, you're, you're talking there about playing the game, like you're actually playing the game. <laughs> I, try, I try and play, like, when I play Ultimate Team and I'm controlling the whole team, I try and play, like, a very, like, you know, high four check, you know, like, um, like up-tempo, like, but there's, like, some structure and, like, a little bit more chase, like, uh, pressure, and, like an actual hockey game. And people just want to play five guys flat on the blue line and just be like, you can skate into my computer and I'll, I'm going to take the puck from you. So just franchise mode is the way to go. (laughs) I always play offline. Online is never fun. (laughs) Yeah. It's I, I've I've always enjoyed that part of the game more, the whole building a team and, and making the trades and doing all that stuff. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, if there is anything else you would like to plug, I uh, can give you the floor. I mean, not really listen to the show guys. I do the shoot ones podcast again, part of the hockey podcast network. I, you know, I like joke around on Twitter. Um, so come see me there at shoot ones pod. Uh, we just, you know, joke, talk a lot of hockey. Um, so I, not really nothing else I really do there. That's all right. Hey, that's, that's the general vibe here as well. Just, talk talk you have some fun so uh well we i appreciate you having having you on and uh i hope you know when hockey comes back uh i'll have to get you back on all right thanks and now i want to talk about a really cool contest that we are doing network wide we have been affiliates with coolhockey.com for a very long time an awesome place where you guys can get a lot of retro and authentic nhl jerseys so all you jersey lovers have you ever needed an excuse to buy a new jersey would winning a cool hockey gift card be reason enough from may 1st to june 1st any jersey purchased through our link will automatically enter you into a draw to win a 175 dollar cool hockey gift card all you have to do is go to www.coolhockey.com thpn Buy the jersey you would probably already have by now. Then tell us on Twitter which jersey you ordered so we can connect you with your purchase for the live draw on June 6th. That's it. Anybody who buys a jersey through our link before June 1st will have a shot at a $175 gift card thanks to our friends at CoolHockey.com. Oh, and if you see 10 sold by May 15th, we'll make it a $200 gift card. Make sure you use the promo code THPN for 30% off. One last time, that's www.coolhockey.com slash THPN. And the next thing I want to talk about is shaving. So now that sounds like a bit of a weird topic of conversation on this week's podcast, but I want to tell you a little bit of a ritual that I have. When I'm putting on cologne after I shave, you know, I'm going out somewhere, I will spurt a little bit of cologne, you know, just just down the trousers, you know, just to make it smell good down there. Just in case, you never know who's going to be sniffing around down there when you go out. So you just got to make sure that it smells good. However, you know, I'm using cologne. That's probably not super great. It gets kind of greasy. Not good. So if you guys are looking for something that, you know, isn't going to do that, but still gives you that, you know, clean, confident feel, then I think you guys should check out Manscaped. Now, Manscaped is primarily a razor company. They have a ton of really cool products for, you know, the below the belt region. I believe they have ball deodorant for all you guys out there. But the thing you guys really should check out is all their amazing, amazing razors. And the best one you can get right now is Manscaped 
3.0. This is their third generation trimmer, which features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Because the last thing you want to do is nick your nuts. Am I right, fellas? <laughs> There's also, it also comes with a charging stand, a USB port, and it is super easy to use even if you're not the most steady-handed like I am. If you are listening to me speak right now, then you are some of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience firsthand for yourself. You can get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping with the code THPN at manscaping.com. I hope you guys take advantage of the offer and you guys get as much enjoyment out of manscaping as I have. And that is going to do it for most of the episode. I just want to do a real quick announcement real quick. Um, unfortunately, Goonline Gaming, due to some scheduling issues, uh, we are going to suspend all of our video making at the moment. So there's not going to be a new Goonline Gaming video up just yet. Uh, we're going to take a pause for a second, but we will have it coming back. Uh, this is something that I think a lot of people are on board and behind and you know something that we definitely want to do in the future and continue to do we're just not going to do it at this very moment so don't look for a new episode on saturday when that normally would come out but you should still subscribe to the hockey podcast network on youtube because they have some great content that comes out there anyways and as well some other podcasts release some video content stuff like that and i'm thinking about maybe doing some stuff as well i've got some stuff in the works and that is going to do it again thanks to frank walker for coming on if you guys want to follow him and his podcast again that is at shoot once pod on twitter you can follow this podcast however on twitter at cleanscape pod to vote on all the really awesome polls that we have going on and as always i will talk to you cowpokes in the next episode